<laughs> Good morning, Mr. Jars. Good morning, Mrs. Angel. We might need to unpack that a little I bit. I think we might need to, yes. Mr. Jars. Mr. Yes. Hugh Jars, as Hugh. it turns out. Yes, um, yes. Yes, Mr. Mr. White was up to some shenanigans today, actually. Shenanigans, yes, yes. Um, well, well it, was, it, was, it was going to come, it was going to happen. We knew it was going to happen, and you finally divulged the dates that you were sitting on the front desk for, and I took full advantage. Tell us what happened. Well, I was <laughs> advised, uh, I was in a meeting, so I hadn't quite made it to the front desk, so I was called, uh, a call came through to let me know that a Mr. Jars was on the phone for me, and he sounded very familiar, and it sounded like he knew me very well, and was demanding to speak with me, and... Um, and I said, I didn't know her, Mr. Jars. And she said, Mr. Hugh Jars? No, actually, definitely no, don't know Mr. Hugh Jars. Um, and what we established was Mr. White was calling, expecting me to be on the front desk. Uh, it's a good, it, it was a good one. Uh, later on in the afternoon when I was on the front desk, I was lucky enough to take a call um, from uh, another person. It was also it was a diff- different Mr. Jars, wasn't it? No, this was little Johnny, I think it was. Little uh, little Johnny was on the phone. Yes, mm. he was stuck in the toilets. Apparently, didn't have any toilet paper. He was asking for some assistance. Yeah, yeah. yeah luckily, he had his mobile with him. Was able to yep. ring the front desk and and ask yep. for some support. Ask for some support <laughs> from the toilets. Yes. So thank you, Mr. White, for keeping uh, keeping it real whilst I was on the front desk. Uh, it's day two is done. Day two of three. Mm. I'm not divulging the next date to uh, um, to everyone because I can see that there'd be some more prank calls coming through. Well, look, if anyone out there has a suggestion for a prank call, please send it through <laughs> to our socials and I will be more than happy to uh, execute. And I might even tell you the date and the phone number to call as well so we can have a, <laughs> we can have if there's a, a good real... enough one. <laughs> excellent, excellent, excellent. <laughs> I know you were suggesting uh, using um, Miss Anita Hug and Kiss. Yes, and her yes. sister, Amanda. Amanda Hug and Kiss. Amanda. Amanda Hug and Kiss. Amanda Hug and Kiss. So we got Anita, Man- Anita Hug and Kiss. And Anita. Amanda Hug and Kiss. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. Well, what do, you call a, what do you call a couple fishing? I don't know. What do you call a couple fishing? Rod and Annette. Wow. Rob. Rod and Annette. Rod and Annette. We're off to a fly. All right. Well done. Well done, Mr. White. Uh, He'll be here all week. um, As it turns out, or he'll be there next week when I'm on the front desk, which is great. I will. Uh, Good fun. Thank you for keeping it interesting. It was already plenty (laughs) enough interesting. My goodness. Can we just pause and cheers um, to those people? On the front desks, on the front line of schools, Mm -hmm. you are doing amazing work. The multitasking that happens on that front desk um, to my, to the team who they've all been to the physio um, and the chiropractor after their first two days carrying me on the front desk. (laughs) Um, I knew you'd like that, Mr. White. Oh, yes. Um, 
so yeah, it turns out I've got a lot to learn and lots of questions. And poor sweet Charlie's sitting beside me. She she was had never worked harder than when when I'm swapping in for for Jonathan on the front desk. Oh, but anyway, it has been it's been all of my hopes and dreams. I've I've, I've loved the double take that parents make when they walk past and then see me there, and then oh. the conversations I've got to have with parents. Love it. The the feedback that I get from staff, like. It's, I don't think the other – you're telling me how good a job I'm doing, um, which is lovely, which I don't think – I don't think that Charlie's and, and Lacey get quite the same feedback um, as what I'm getting. They're questioning why am I – why are they saying such nice things about me when everybody mm. doesn't mm. always say nice things about them? <laughs> but I will be forever singing their praises because they are doing incredible work on they the front line of, poor, of our school. Poor Lacey copped a few calls from me earlier on as well. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, yep. Lacey, for being such a well, good sport. Yeah, you know what she said because she's a big fan of the show, Mister White. She said, right. "Oh, she was she's like, oh, I, I knew that I knew that voice from somewhere." Um, so well done, Lacey, for for well picking done. it from a mile away. Uh, so you went on a your golf trip. How was that? Yeah, so we had a, um, a PD day on Friday, which uh, which is great. So I got a lot of reading done and was able to leave a little bit early, hit the road, and get up on a golf trip. Uh, up at Moama, which is on the border of Victoria and Queensland, mm-hmm. uh, and play some golf with some mates. It was great fun. It was really good. And for anyone who's travelling around uh, central Victoria, around the Heathcote wine region, if you're looking for a good place to drop in, I highly recommend Flynn's Wines. Go and say good day to Greg uh, and say the teacher and the three doctors say hi, because uh, he... <laughs> He uh, took us around and he, he was absolutely fantastic. He was really, really generous with his time and with his wine, which is brilliant. And we had a good old yarn. Um, is that what you're drinking stuff? tonight? What are you drinking tonight? It's not. I did order uh, some. I'll say some. Copious <laughs> I to tell amounts. wife how much I ordered. Uh, but it's, <laughs> it's uh, being delivered. So uh, Wonderful. Yeah. Excellent. Well, well, we'll hear some tasting notes when that arrives and you can sure. you can talk us all through it. Yeah, Feel free. If you want to share it with me, you can send me a bottle and we can... We can unpack it together during we'll an to, episode. I have to look into that. Yeah, that's hey, that's not a bad idea. Mm, excellent. Yeah, live well, tasting. I, I, mm. yes. I have a couple of those every now and then. Um, so we've got a special episode today mm. because it's the last of my recordings from my trip to Eugene, Oregon. So uh, we are interviewing... Well, I, I'm interviewing. I'm sharing the interview with you this evening of Owen Engelman... Uh, and Evan Haney, and uh, I need to just, before we get into it, I need to just remind everybody of how jet-lagged I was, um, <laughs> and uh, and so we had to make some modifications, and there was a bit of a false start with the recording as well, and so um, Evan Haney, one of my, the, the, the girl, good friend of mine who's recording um, for us, uh, teaching superstar and um, I had her running the camera for us she says that um, that Evan Haney is uh, she believes the smartest person that she knows and she knows a lot of really smart people mm. so pretty cool that we were able to um, to interview him and um, and obviously Owen Ingleman who is the um, the the son of the genius um, direct instruction creator, uh, Siegfried Engelman. Mm. So we are going to have a listen now 
um, and hope everybody enjoys. It was great uh, to be able to do it. So let's have a listen. Hey, everyone. Like I said before, welcome to Teachers Change Lives podcast. I'm very excited to be recording in Eugene, Oregon. I have just finished the administrative course at the National Institute for Direct Instruction, the NIFTI conference. And um, I am joined by two very esteemed guests to share their stories with us today. I have Evan Handy and I have also Owen Ingleman of the very esteemed um, legendary Ingleman name. Um, in direct instruction. So thank you so much for joining me um, and to all of our listeners around the world. So let's kick it off with, first of all, your alumni. So Evan, can you tell us where did you go to elementary school, high school, university, um, all of the above? Sure, I'll do them all. It's Evan Haney, by the way. We're not recording again, thank you. Yeah, so my journey goes like this. Let's see. Um, Right next to Eugene is a town called Springfield, Oregon, and I started an elementary school there at St. Alice. It's a Catholic school, and I stayed in Catholic schools through my second year in college. Um, Eventually, for grade school, I went to O'Hara Catholic School here in Eugene. Then I went back to the East Coast in Syracuse. I went to Lemoyne College for two years. And then uh, finally, in 1999, I graduated from SUNY Binghamton, State University of New York uh, in Binghamton. And then I came back to Oregon for graduate school. I went to the University of Oregon. Uh, here in and what did you study? I was a philosophy student. Fabulous. Yes. Excellent. And what about you, Alan? Um, Garden Hills Elementary in Champaign, Illinois, is where I went to school. And there's later connections with that school. Um, And then when the follow-through project moved from the University of Illinois to the University of Oregon, we moved out here to Eugene, Oregon, I went to Condon Elementary, which doesn't exist anymore, and um, Roosevelt Middle School, which is still, well, it, it was Roosevelt Junior High back then, and now it's Roosevelt Middle School, and it's in moved a block because they demolished the old building and are putting the Y up there, the YMCA. Okay, yeah. um, and then I uh, went to South Eugene High School, and I went to college at the University of Oregon, and I was on the very long plan. I had a minor um, I'll call it. <laughs> <laughs> Were you at the top of the dean's list? In, uh, I, in I was. At, that's the only thing. I was at the top of the dean's list in going there, yes. and and I majored in mathematics. Fabulous. That's what I graduated. Yeah, beautiful, excellent. Um, all right. So we uh, in Teachers Change Lives podcast, um, we always want to kick off with um, talking about a teacher who made a big impact on your life. Um, somebody who um, who taught you something that you used later on in life um, and and you know, in some way contributed to, to what you're doing now. So do you want to kick off, Evan? Is there a, a teacher who's made a big impact on your life? Absolutely. Um, that has a very clear answer to it. So I was a junior at, uh, well, I skipped high school too, Marist High School, after O'Hara here in Eugene. I went to Marist, again, a Catholic school. And um, as part of the curriculum, we took religion classes, which I enjoyed, 
But I always had a specific interest in like early church history kind of stuff, and especially the languages and um, sort of intellectual history that was there. So I convinced, I had shared this idea with um, Father Connell, um, who I think he teaches in Spokane maybe right now, I'm not sure. No, he's a Jesuit, or at least he was a few years ago. Yeah, so Father Connell, I said, you know what? <clears throat> you know Greek and you know Latin. You should create an elective course here at Maris that had never existed before. But let's do Greek and Latin, and let's do that for our uh, religion elective. And I thought that was a great idea. So me, in the first year, it was like me and three other kids. We studied Greek. And I don't know, it was fascinating. That in itself was the best class I've ever taken, but it also um, unlocked a door through which I eventually walked, and that was my whole academic career because it led me, um, you know, not just to the early saints or church, church fathers, but also to Plato and to Aristotle. So when I was a, a senior, I did a project, actually, I translated a platonic dialogue and uh, when I was in Marist and that uh, paved the way to become a philosophy student um, at Le Moyne and then at SUNY Binghamton and uh, we'll get to this I imagine in the interview in a bit but the study of philosophy was ultimately what led me to direct instruction. Wow. I know. That's I, know. Wow. I can't wait to unpack that Crazy. a bit more. That's very very cool. How things unfold. Indeed. Indeed. And how about you Owen? Who is a teacher who, um, who made a big impact on your life? Oh man, this is going to sound so corny, um, but it has as many bumps in the road, maybe not as many turns as Evan to get to direct instruction, but definitely as many bumps. My dad, um, my dad was a genius. He started teaching us, you know, math and language and reading at a very young age. Those of you who have seen those videos, videos of us doing algebra when I was four, yeah. um, you know, that's one of the reasons why I had a pretty good mind for mathematics because yeah. um, it, it, it was very strange, though, because I went to school and we had a couple of pretty smart kids in our class. But I didn't understand why all the kids couldn't do that stuff. What do you mean? It's easy stuff. You know, this is it. And they're like looking at me. The teachers are going, okay, well. And you're literally saying, I, I can do it. I've been doing this since I was right, four. He's right. kidding. Surely he's kidding. Yeah. Um, and, and the reason I indicated that there were uh, a lot of bumps in the road is because I saw all the pain my dad went through. He came up with solutions to all of this academic fail- failure. And, and I, I need to put in a plug right now for Kip because administrators and people making decisions about curriculum, curricula, because it's plural, sorry. I had to say that out loud processing there. But um, those kids, when the curriculum that they're in for that particular moment, if it is not good, if it doesn't orchestrate all of the details well, and if it's not presented adequately, they go through pain. No adult would tolerate being in a situation where they kept getting things wrong. They go, I'm out of here. Those kids will sit through class after class, year after year, and 
What's the reward for them? They get blamed for having, you know, learning disabilities and stuff like that. So I saw this pain, how the system rejected effective instruction that had, you know, has the salutary effect for these kids in opening the doors to their opportunities. Oh, and, yes. it's, and I think I think that's been the 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 big thing for me um, that, that annoys me about uh, when people who don't understand direct instruction and haven't read the research, they think it just works for some kids, but it doesn't just work for some kids; it works for all kids. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's uh, true. Uh, so I. I I was um, very well aware of the best of times and the worst of times for um, my my father and how the system rejected the inoculation for all of this failure. Yeah. And so I, even though the instruction inspired me and I felt it was the right thing to do, having to go through all that it's like i'm going to do something easy like engineering <laughs> so long and short is my dad yeah but you know that's for a variety of reasons i respected him a lot but what he did made sense and you know there was that yin and yang of not wanting to go there because i just saw the the pain, the pain and the, the right. he, he, yeah, it, it should have been easier than that once. After project um, follow through, um, it should have all been clear to everybody after that, but it, it, it didn't quite work out that way, weirdly. So so uh, right, now, right now, you're both working for um, England and Beckett Corporation, and so I really want to unpack the work that you do together. Um, obviously, Want to? I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's a, a segue from philosophy to direct instruction here, so I'd love to, to hear that and then hear about the work that you guys um, are doing, the very exciting work that's coming out of um, England. Okay, well, the, uh, the the segue was just fortuitous. I got invited to a party, to be honest. Like, I never, I did not know about direct instruction, and honestly, even though I was in the academic world, I didn't know much about education at all. It's, it's ironic that you know, even though you're in that field, you really don't know anything about the field itself. That's a continuous theme that I, I keep relearning over and over. But I got invited to a party. It was, uh, you know, we used to have the Ziggies to do these summer parties, and um, I knew someone in common who worked there. Um, and that's when I met Zig. And just before that, so it was like 12 years ago, so yeah, it's like 2011, I think, was probably the year. Um, Zig had just published a book, and the book was it was about John Stuart Mill. Um, how John, John Stuart Mill could have saved? Could, have could saved. He, I'm sorry, it was a question. Could John Stuart Mill have saved mm. our public schools? Right, yeah. right. So you know, I met um, I met Owen, I met Kurt, and I met Zig at the party, and that was really cool. But he told me he, he had just written this book on John Stuart Mill, and my specialty where my area of focus in philosophy was in logic. And Zig's book is all about how John Stuart Mill's uh, logic corresponds in conspicuous, interesting ways to the you know logic that Zig, with Doug Carnine, uh, literally invented for um, instructional theory in a book called The Theory of Instruction. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, he didn't know 
about those correspondences until after the fact, which is kind of what that book is about. Yeah. Now. Okay. That is a really fascinating moment in the history of you know science, any any kind of knowledge when you see correspondences like that happen. Anyway, I read the book, and you know, of course, I was just immediately fascinated because I, I had been dealing with this contradiction of really being interested in philosophy, but on the other hand, really being disappointed with what we do with philosophy in the academic um, It just seemed kind of inert to me. Yeah. And then here was somebody who had literally invented a brand new science that could potentially change the world. There's no hyperbole there. That's the truth. Mm -hmm. And it's still the truth. And it's going to be the truth eventually when the world gets there. So I thought, I mean, why not do what I love to do anyway, what I've been pursuing ever since high school, but to do it in a context where change the world. You can change the world. Yeah. So, I mean, it was obvious to me. Yeah. Um, so I got lucky. It was lucky. But it was also, I mean, once once it happened, it was obvious that that was the way. What do we do? Well, we work on programs is the easy way to say it. And um, that takes a long time. Maybe that's the main thing I'll say. We don't just sit down and willy-nilly change some details based on things that we've heard by rumor or right, clever ideas that we think we have. The whole process itself of revision is rigorously structured, just like the programs are themselves. So a lot of it is about getting field test data. What about a program is working well? What's not working so well? Um, what are the errors in the programs? How do we fix them? All that kind of stuff. And you know, you get into a group. A lot of it, it is just about being really serious and focused and dedicated because it takes quite a while to go through a program and change all of the thousands and thousands of little tiny critical details that actually make a difference. Well, which is the, 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 the totally different thing with everything else. It is the brilliance is in the details and it's in the fidelity of it and it's a, so yet I can only imagine what a review is. It's not just looking at the content, it's looking about the, when do you, when do you give a signal? When, it's, it's so complicated, it's so complex. It is. Yeah, that's uh, it is. A, big, a big, and you're doing multiple, pro, reviewing multiple programs. Um, yeah, I mean, in my experience, it's usually we have one major revision project going at the same time, but there's no sort of shortage of things that we that we want to work on. So there's always other stuff going on too, and you know, you just hope that you wake up as your best self on any given day because you know you've got X number of hours to spend, and you wish you had you know a heck of a lot more than an X plus infinity because there's a lot of stuff that we want to do and we plan to do, but it's just a question of how much. Can Given the intensity of the demands of the labor of revising these and I mean, and these are highly effective programs as they are. So you're, you, this is about this is about a further refinement of a um, of a proven uh, a programs that are proven to work. And I I know on a bigger scale, on you know, in all of your field testing, but on a personal um, level, I've implemented DI in four school settings now, and every one of those settings, it's changed lives for, for those kids. And now, absolutely more than more than ever, in my current school, 2.74 years of average growth um, in reading from um, from these students in, in one year. So you just you don't get you don't get an average growth for students like that with with any other program, and it's it's absolutely profound what the programs can do in their current state. So I can't wait to see the refinements, to see um, how many more minutes of learning can we fit into into one minute. It's, it's absolutely staggering. 
Um, fabulous. So we're doing these big reviews. Um, so what's the best best part of working um, at Ingleman Beckham? Beckett. 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 Yes. Yes. Me? No, go on. You, you, you go. You can you can take oh, it. I didn't get Other than you, I what's didn't the best get part? And my two. Okay, go go for it. Go for it. What are you doing? What's the work that you're doing? Well, um, we are revising programs, but we're also creating new programs. So my father said to me about 40 years ago, he gave me the simple equation for instruction. He said, if you do a better job of controlling the variables that affect student performance, you will have a better program. Simple. And if you think about what he did, he controlled the, the systematic introduction of the example. And those examples have features. So it enables the kid to infer whatever they're going to um, infer that the concept is you're trying to teach. Mm -hmm. See, um, Elon Musk, I, I imagine everybody knows who he is. Not personally, thank you. Yeah, no, I, I don't know him personally either. Yeah. He made a statement a few years ago that he did not do any philanthropy associated with education because all education is is a data dump. Now, think about this. You have the data. What can you do with the data? Oh, wait a minute. You need a computer program to analyze that data if you're in a computer setting, right? Well, where does the program come from for kids? And the answer is it is inferred from the examples and how you teach. So if you have a really big load of crap data dump, guess what? They're not going to infer the appropriate programming to be able to analyze that data. And so what, what direct instruction does is very carefully orchestrate every detail of the information that the kids get and be able to extract from that the concepts that they're supposed to learn. And that's why this whole science reading um, evidence-based stuff is a joke. Because when you have a list of things you need to do, there's no systematic orchestration to induce that work. And that's what we spend, I mean, and, and, and I'll be perfectly honest, the first cut of some of our programs are terrible. And we're way better at it than anybody else there is. Yes. And they're garbage. I yes. mean, we I can't tell you how many, you know, first, second, even third revisions of, uh, of the field test version we've thrown in the trash. But then the fourth one you get, and you're starting to make headway. And that's when the data analysis from the field is very very helpful because you can look at what the mistake the kids make and say, where did we go wrong? What do we need to do to mitigate that problem in future examples? Yeah. And and that's basically the game is yeah. tracking everything that you've done and then looking at the data of the, the stuff that comes in. Yeah. I I do um you know I, I'm I'm working on more I don't know about more projects than Evan, but I'm working probably on more programs than Evan. And um, 
circling back to being able to um, control more of the variables associated with student performance, um, we're taking that to the next level. So we have phonics. Phonics, in addition to print programs, also has coordinated graphics and narrations and timing. So there's a lot more of the teaching done there. So it's easier for somebody who doesn't have as much technical training to be able to present it adequately. And then um, the other uh, company I'm working with is I Did It, Interactive Direct Instruction Digital Innovative Technologies. And um, we've just finished a proof of concept. Well, we're in the fourth beta test of a proof of concept app that um, is completely autonomous. Uh, an, uh, an adult needs to log the kid in, set the kid in front of the um, iPad, make sure they use it 25 minutes a day, four days a week, and 12 weeks later, they'll know how to identify and print all of their lowercase letters. The identification is key because they don't confuse DMV, which is one of the crucial and critical symptoms of dyslexia. And every kid we've had go through it, no confusions. And, and we've also had three students who were diagnosed with learning disabilities, one of them specifically with dyslexia. It's spectacular to be able to intercept it so early, just get it sorted so early, and then right. and then they can thrive after that. And at my school, very high percentage of students with dyslexia at my school, so they're having to undo. There's just there's, there's so many neural pathways, incorrect neural pathways that have been created for them. So you're just getting yeah. it right from the start. Um, yeah. And, and what you just said is really important because when you introduce something and they get confused, if you're a teacher and you're presenting even a direct instruction program and you skip two lines that introduce or frame the task and then you present the task and they get it wrong, right there you're introducing a, a possible misrule yeah. that requires 10 times as much effort to undo. And some of these kids that have been in, in very poorly constructed reading programs, they've had years of being reinforced for the wrong ideas. So it's going to take quite a bit to undo that and replace those strategies with effective strategies. Absolutely. I see it every day. And so it's, it's, not, it's about a quality teacher, but it's about the quality programs as well. Yes. And with the quality training, but it sounds like... Um, the, with the phonics, there's less requirement to understand mm -hmm. the, the, the science that behind actually delivering the programs, which is super exciting. And I got to have a look at it the other day. Very, very exciting. Um, and, and as is the I Did It uh, pro program as well. Well, I, I, I want to say that the I Did It program, uh, I, I feel really bad for teachers a lot of times because they end up getting caught between a rock and a hard place and then somebody chasing them around with a hammer. Because most folks are not in a school where they are given appropriate instructional yeah. tools to, uh, to do their job. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And, and then they have 
to deal with the parents. They're the ones that are blamed for kids not succeeding. And they, they oftentimes don't go to the colleges of education that give these give them the technical skills to be successful in yeah. school. Yeah, absolutely. We have to set out. I mean, in teaching, in, in sorry. Teaching. Yeah, school, yeah. <laughs> um, we've got to set them up right, absolutely. Set them up for success so they can thrive in their jobs. And every, I think all teachers come into it with the, the right moral purpose. They, they want every kid to succeed, um, which is really, really, really complicated. So, so, so difficult for every child in your class to succeed if you don't have the right programs in place um, to set them up for success. And it's not just the programs because okay. they got to be placed appropriately. I mean, I've been in classrooms even where all the kids were placed appropriately, but two of them have a history and they're always fighting with each other. You know, there's just a lot yeah. of circumstances yeah. and it's on the teacher to deal with most of the time. Hugely complex profession. Um, who'd do it? We would all do it because um, it's absolutely fabulous, which is the point of the podcast. Um, we need people to keep on choosing, choosing it. Thank you, Owen, um, getting behind our teachers. And but then we just need to set up, administrators need to choose the right the right programs, set them up, train them appropriately um, to set them up, the kids up for success and our teachers up for success. All right, any last comments? Any um, any last pitches for what's happening um, in your lives? What's, uh, what's uh, in the future or... Just wishing Mastery Schools Australia the very best. He's up. Mm-hmm. Come on, Evan. We'll definitely do that. We can do that. Mm-hmm. He's wishing the best to, uh, to the Mastery Schools for sure. Um, <clears throat> you know, I just finished my session. I do a session called Deconstruct. I didn't invent the title. Deconstructing BI Principles of Direct Instruction. Mm-hmm. And it goes different every year. It really depends on the group. But it's for people who come to this conference. It's like, what's the why? of DI, like under, underneath everything, why does this work? Why are things the way that they are? And whatever the reasons for coming, you know, to this session, it's always that kind of epiphany, like, aha, you know, it's that great sort of moment. That's always an exciting experience to have in life when you see the necessity of things, and then, like, it could not be otherwise. Yeah. So it's nice to share that experience with people when they come to the session. But, you know, I got to say, it's it's one of the good things, so to your previous question, what I, I, I like about working with the EBC and Women Better Corporation is I'm constantly having that experience. Mm-hmm. You know, it is not the sort of place that one could ever get bored. Yeah. Because where direct, direct instruction takes you, it's, you know, it's, it's the rabbit hole. There's no bottom there. It's, you can go as far with it if you want, as you want to, in terms of, you know, I mean, it's only your imagination and your ability and your effort that, that limits you. There's so much that is possible um, if you just follow direct instruction. Um, so it's that kind of job. It's a meaningful job. It's not the sort of job where, you know, it's definitely frustrating because, as you just noted, yes, the education world is a complex world, and that's that's a charitable term. There's a lot of frustrating aspects about working But um, I think it's I can sustain because I can also see uh, working with direct instruction, what the actual potential of things is, despite what is given to us. Yeah. So it's always important to bear that in mind. Yeah. The future is, is exciting, um, I think, and it's, it's always great to get together with like-minded um, individuals. So getting to spend five days with with people where um, I don't have to explain what direct instruction is and, right. and yes. have to talk about that uh, and justify why this, this, is, this is their only way. It's where, where everybody, if you, once you know, you know. 
um, and and it was back in 2015 that um, that project follow through research was brought to my attention. And I read that and then went down a rabbit hole and and um, won't ever come out of it because once you know, you know. So hopefully, some of our this has maybe sparked some interest in some of the, the teachers around the world. Going if they don't know what direct instruction is, um, where's where's the first place to start? Do they start with the student, um, the Mills book? Uh, I don't feel like that's a good place to start. Um, hmm, that's a good question. I mean, look, the Bible is, is theory of instruction itself. It's a really dense book, but if you want to get right to it, I mean, that's where you can go. But the easy copy book for sure. For sure. You know, that there are lots of sources out there that we've written or that people are affiliated with have, have written. And, uh, you know, I don't know, get in touch with us maybe and we can set you on. Yeah. Uh, clear teaching was a great was yes, the, the clear teaching was the first my first one and um, yeah and I, I felt like I could absorb it with my minimal knowledge at that stage and really got me off on a sure. good, good track and then yeah excellent so reach out um, so just so yes, I get a turn? of course I keep on I keep on ditching you I'm sorry well, it's because he's so eloquent <laughs> um, so Bernie Marcus is um, the owner of Home Depot. And he was asked a while back in a little YouTube video why he didn't um, do educational philanthropy. And he said, because everybody turns on their stupid switch when they start talking about education. Hey, I'm just <laughs> Maybe paraphrasing a little, a little bit. No, but um, don't get fooled, all right? All the rhetoric out there is, does not make sense if you just apply common sense to it. Evidence-based practices is logically wrong. You are not. You could find the program that's going to work by going through the evidence-based practices, but 90% of those programs are absolute crap because they don't have all of the details orchestrated to ensure that they're going to induce appropriate learning. Yeah. What the buzzword needs to change to is evidence-validated, research-validated programs. And you know the sad part about that is Two, maybe three of them for reading but that's what you need to keep in mind that most of these people especially in academia they're there trying to get their PhD so they make something up and then they just talk about it a lot and write a paper and do a study on it it doesn't necessarily mean that it's 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 worthwhile so when you listen to the rhetoric about the science of reading it's all based on a flawed premise because it's not evidence-based practices that matter. It's evidence-validated practices that matter. Yeah, love it. Absolutely. And, and uh, yeah, programs that work in every school with every student because you, you can find evidence to base that off some kids in some place. Direct instruction works with every kid every day. Every detail is there. Anyway, I could bang on about DI all day. I usually do. Um, these guys have got somewhere else to be. So 
Um, I just want to say thank you so much. Thank you for the work that you're doing and will continue to do. And thank you so much for um, sharing um, sharing your story, Owen. Um, you know that I've been a little starstruck over the last five days, um, hanging out with uh, a real-life Ingleman. And um, I've, I've had two educational heroes in my life. One was your dad and the other was Jeffrey Canada, who created Holland Children's Zone. Um, didn't get to meet your dad, but... I've met you now, and I did get to meet Jeffrey Canada. So um, I've, I've, I'm, I'm feeling pretty fulfilled after after a week here, which has been um, been amazing. Um, so thank you, thank you, thank you for giving your time um, to share some of your expertise um, and, and and talking points with us. Um, so to everyone on Teachers Change Lives, thank you as always for joining us, and we will catch you next week. All right, see you guys. Wow. All right. Wow. That was awesome. Pretty cool. That was very cool. On so many levels. Firstly, firstly, just just the, the like you said at the, at the end there, how fulfilled you are. Like that's, you've had some, uh, that was a hell of a trip, wasn't it? It was quite the trip. Really, really <laughs> cool. It? Like I yeah. did, I got the, the, you know, I knew you were buzzing and I knew you were really excited, but um Gee, that uh, that conversation just got me really going. I love it. It's, it's intriguing, isn't it? Um, yeah. the, that book, um, Could John Stuart Mills Have Saved Our Schools? Uh, it's, it's a ripper because it, in 1843, I think it was, John Stuart Mills came up this theory of logic that explained, that unpacked how, how we learn things. So this is mm. and and basic and what what he explained was science of learning, uh, but what he said in the theory of logic was that yes this is how it ha- this is how it how it is except when it comes to education, so which nobody really <sighs> so he was wrong he was right and then he was wrong because it totally yeah. applies to education, <laughs> um, so so. He could have. So that is the, the could Stuart, um, John Stuart Mills have saved our schools if, if he had have recognized that the theory of logic is, is also about the, the, the theory of teaching and learning, how we, how we can learn. And, um, and then these programs that, um, that, uh, Zig has written and created have all, um, been underpinned by this theory of logic and, and what, which we know is what is working for kids and helps them learn. So that's a great yeah. book. But if you're into if you're into philosophy, not a good starting point, obviously. And no, no, the theory I, I, of instruction. I completely disagree. I can, the, the idea of philosophy, I mean, is a starting point. I mean, that's that just makes sense to me. Um, and the way he express, uh, explained that it's opened up a new science. Mm. Um, you know, people have been teaching and learning forever. Um, but now that the idea of it being a new science is, is it's, uh, you know, it's a whole new world, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And uh, I, I'm sure you can see from um, conversing with, um, with Evan and Owen, I mean, Evan's just this, this incredible mind and this considered, and he's got all of the philosophy back background and um, uh, he's a real academic. And then Owen is, mm. is just uh He's just a bile, a, 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 a ball of passion and and and, and fire energy. and yeah. yeah and energy and <laughs> and um, urgency and uh, yeah and and 
and lots of contrast with Kurt, who's um, who was a fantastic interview. I think it was two weeks ago was the one that we played um, in talking about his big learnings from direct instruction. And obviously, both of them we've talked about project follow through. So if anybody's this mm. has sparked anybody's interest, go and have a look at project follow through as well. And um, yeah, the the results that came out of that were quite quite staggering. Um, as to what works in education. Yeah, absolutely. And I, th- I think, look, my mum, my mum's a teacher, an ex-teacher, and she constantly laments the cyclical nature of, of uh, what she sees in education. Oh, we were doing this 40 years ago. It's back again, isn't it? Oh, this didn't work 40 years ago. Why would it work now? And it's, you know, it's the whole, the, um, whole language acquisition versus phonics versus, you know, it's cyclical sort of, sort of nature. And I, I really liked... Um, what he said about the difference between evidence-based learning and evidence-validated. Validated, learning. yeah. Abs- absolutely, that yeah, that that came through like a lightning bolt. Absolutely mm. true. And because we can I'll, find anything to 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 base, to base what you're doing on. There's absolutely. loosely based. Yeah, there's a study, one study in in one school. It's a one student school, but you know it showed that um, that there was some evidence that came out that this thing mm. worked, but. Yeah, so I like that. Look at looking for evidence validated practices, not and research, not just evidence based research. Fantastic! Mm. What a great conversation. Brilliant. It was. How lucky to be a part of it. How great to be a teacher, huh? And uh, yeah, <laughs> as a, a non expert in, in this in this area, I'm a, I'm a little bit scared. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to start reading more. Awesome. Girl, enjoy. <laughs> enjoy. We'll we'll unpack anything as as it comes along and it's Brilliant. yeah, always All right, but we're back. I'm back from Oregon now and we're we're looking we'll be looking for some um some interviews to be doing closer to home. So if you've got somebody that you know has got a great educational story, uh please get them to reach out to us. They can do that on the socials. And they can find us on the gram and they can find us on the Facebook. And yeah. we've got a bit of a growing, growing community happening um, on, in both of those two social spaces, which is great. Or you can send us an email, teacherschangelivespodcast at gmail.com. Uh, and obviously, we would love you to be leaving five-star reviews, five stars and reviews on any of the podcast platforms. So... Get on it and Please. tell us what you tell us what you like, and don't hold back with your prank call ideas. Yeah, I'll be uh, I'll be uh, implementing those uh, on the date. And if you are really nice on the email, I might let you know what the date is. <laughs> Excellent, reach out, and I look forward to answering your call on the front desk of yeah, Mastery yeah, Skills yeah. Australia. This is Sharon speaking. All right, all right, uh, Mr. Jars. Uh, of the huge ass uh, <laughs> Mr White uh, have a great week and we can talk next week huh you too Mrs Angel look forward to it as always see you everyone right. see you bye powered by Riverside